Thank you so much, choir. Go in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. And I'd just like to say, Pat Taylor, it is good to have you back. Amen. We've missed you. So the knee replacement is good, and she's ready to enroll in the Muay Thai kickboxing class next week. All right. And uh, also, Miss Nancy Shand, it's great to see you. They were there together in the hospital, and that is a dynamic combo. A couple of great... Cover that, and it's the first point in your outline. That's going to take probably half of the time that we have today. But the Bible presents faith as a shield, and the shield is there to, in the words of the text, to extinguish or quench all the flaming darts or the missiles or the arrows of the enemy. Imagine if you're in ancient warfare, and you have opposing you an army, and within that army is a group of archers, and those archers not only have strong bows, not only have strong arms, but their arrows have very sharp tips. And on the end of those arrows, they have a mixture of a combustible type of glue that when you light it, it burns, and it burns, baby, burns. And then this group of archers that is opposing you, they pull back on these bows, and you have a man with a torch, runs along the lines, and boom, 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 boom. All of the arrows become lighted, or they light them from the ground. And then you hear, if it's in English, peace. And you think to yourself, this is not going to be very fun. Hundreds Or if it's a full-scale war, a giant battle, literally thousands of arrows that are flaming are pouring in towards you. We're there in the scenario, and we don't have a shield. Talk with me, church. How are we feeling? Some of y'all, like, I could say it, but I shouldn't. I'm in church. It's bad. Change the scenario. You've got what's called a buckler. Those of you who've seen the movie Braveheart, the crazy man from Ireland that said, it's my island. He had the small buckler. It's like a plate, but it's a shield. It's very small. If you had a buckler that had maybe, it was maybe 10 inches or 12 inches across, how would you feel then? So you're like, it's still going to be bad. Now, we don't have a Roman shield here this morning. We have a Greek model and then a later medieval model. But the Roman shield was about four feet tall. And it is literally, in the Greek language, it's basically the same concept. If you said the word door in Greek, or if you said the word shield, they have somewhat of the same root. Four feet wide or four feet tall, rather, about two feet wide. And what they would do, some of you have seen this on movies, they would get into like a tortoise formation. And it was so large that they could literally cover their whole body if they used it correctly. And the advantage of a shield like that is not only was it big enough to cover you if you squatted down and if you crouched, But it was also, in a full-pitched battle, it had skins of animals that were soaked in water. Now, why in the world would they do that? It would be heavier, wouldn't it? But if you got hit, and it was a wooden shield except for the rim, if you got hit with a wooden shield with a flaming arrow, what might really be bad is that your shield would catch on fire. 
But if you had something that would extinguish the flame, you could say, you can sit here and shoot me all day long, but I'm still advancing. That's the idea in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Let's read the text together. The Bible says, in all circumstances or above all, literally in everything, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish or quench. How many? What's it? What's the text say? All. All right. So you have the word all circumstances or above all. That means in every area of your life, take up the shield of faith. And if you do that, it is able to extinguish all the flaming darts or the pointed fiery projectiles of the evil one. We're going to talk today about faith. Now, a lot of people have big reservations about faith. There are some people who've been jaded by a church experience. And what we mean by jaded is they've had a really bad church experience that has literally turned them off to God. Like, you know what? I've had an experience down at that church and I'm never going to back to another church as long as I live. Those people down there are a bunch of hypocrites. And by the way, that's probably true for most of the case. And what is the um, remedy for hypocrites is for us to come and repent. How many of you know of someone in your life who's had an experience at church or with a group of Christians that has turned them off to Christianity? Let me see your hand. Anyone that you know in your life at any time. Probably a majority of us. There's some people, you know, it's like they, 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 they've, gotten, they've gotten tricked. Um, we had um, atheist, National Atheist Day a few, last week, um, April Fool's. April 1st, okay? On April Fool's Day, it's like the um, get out of free, get out of jail free lying card for the year, isn't it? That's what happens. I've just got to tell this Miss, uh, Miss Alice Mullins, and she's um, doing a lot better. She's in the hospital, and, and her daughter told me that she, she's cool with me telling you guys it was April Fool's, and Miss Alice, um, up in her years, uh, got up in the morning, and, and first thing that she said to her daughter is she said, You see the bird on the window? In the hospital. Just had a stroke. And, and, and her daughter says, Mom, I don't, I don't see a, a, a bird on, on the window. She's like, no, the bird that's right there. And her daughter's like, I thought that mom was groggy or maybe the meds were too strong or, you know, maybe something. And, and Miss Alice is like, no, it's, the bird's right there. And the daughter says, you know, I don't see a bird. And Miss Alice says, April Fool's. Yes, sir. And I love that. I like it. It's so funny. And I, and I love pranks. Like if you prank me, I will think that's funny. Um, we went turkey hunting yesterday with, with Lane and Josh. And I walked up the stairs and Lane was waiting right there. You know, I jumped in. He's like, wah! And I was like, wah! You know, karate stance. I was like, that was funny. You know, you scared me. And it, it's just so cool sometimes seeing, those of you who don't have a sense of humor, you're totally bombed on this section. You're like, please, I don't know what's going on. Um, this Actually, when I went visiting with Fred on Monday, I saw uh, one of my friends who's uh, in the ministry. He was walking down the street with his wife. And I said, I think that's him. From the backs, and when we drove by, I was like, "Fred, we're gonna prank him." So uh, we turned in, and you know, did a three-point turnaround, and drove back down the street. And we got about fifty. Y'all are gonna think I'm a very bad pastor. Pastoral like respect is about to go way down, but this is funny. Um, going down the road, and just about fifty feet from him, laid on the horn, bah! 
ah, you know, and swerved over like that. And he's like, whoa, you know, talking on the phone. It scared him to death. And it was awesome. It's so funny sometimes to see people get pranked or get, you know, not, not anything that would send a person into hysterics. Okay. If you have a heart condition, just put that down on your visitor card. We will never prank you. All right. It's just, it's just funny sometimes because, you know, but, but, but here, here's what, what happens. If someone is pranked time and time and time again, remember the old story when we were kids, the boy who cried what one too many times? They may, in terms of the gospel, become like Thomas. We don't know this, but remember doubting Thomas? Lest I see the nail prints in Jesus' hands, unless I put my hand into the hole in his side where the spear stabbed him, unless I do that, I'm not going to believe. Now, we don't know, but, but he may have had a lot of pranks pulled on him. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to have one more pull on me. Dead men don't rise from the dead. They're saying that Jesus rose from the dead, and I'm not going to have that pulled on me. But you remember what happened when he saw Jesus? He didn't have to have any of that confirmed. He just fell down on his face and said, my Lord and my God. So here's what may happen. Some of you are bringing things here this morning. You say, Jeff, I've had a bad experience with Christians. I've had a bad experience with church. And I don't know if I'm willing to take the step of faith. Let me just be very straightforward and honest. The actions of people who call themselves Christians is not the same as the truth of the gospel. For example, the fact that Jesus really rose from the dead does not mean that if you find a person who say, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and this person lives like he doesn't, their hypocritical life doesn't negate the historical fact of Jesus actually rising from the dead. You tracking with that? So what we have to, I encourage you, like if you've had a bad experience, please don't look at us. Don't look at the former church. Don't look at your former pastor. There have been many times where people have been so disappointed. They've been disillusioned by pastors. Look to Jesus, church. That's the one. He's the one who will never let us down. So here's the first question we're going to address. Is faith opposed to reason? Is it opposed to reason? Um, there in your notes, I'm just going to give this to you. Um, here, here's the answer. Is faith opposed to or contrary to reason? Um, the answer is no. Uh, yet. Uh, nine. No. Not at all is faith opposed to reason. Um, we've got there in your notes, it says that faith is the confidence in God's power to sustain us in the future as He has done in the past. Because of God's revelation of Himself through creation, miracles, the truth of Scripture, prophecy, the life and death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, as well as the witness of the Holy Spirit. Alright, you've got there in your notes also, biblical faith, alright, is a reasonable faith. That means that if you trust in the Bible, that's a faith that actually works. When you look at the book of Exodus, remember when God was like wreaking havoc upon Egypt, right? Like plagues? I'm like, whoa, what's going on? There's a little phrase, and if you want to go look that up later, we have the references provided for you. Here's what God says in those references. That they might know that I am God. So, Jeff, I thought that God hated the Egyptians. Like the Hebrews were the good guys, and the Egyptians were the bad guys, and God's like hammering away. No, no, read the text. 
This afternoon, God says time and time again, the reason why I am giving judgment upon Egypt is so that they might know that I am God. He even says about Pharaoh, so that Pharaoh might know that I am God. Man, that is so cool that God is so passionate about this world, about people who actually hate him, that he would actually put out judgment to bring them to a place of repentance, saying, you know what, God? Now I believe that you're actually real. I mean, you think about what God has done in creation. I mean, you think about the speed of light. 186,000 miles per what? Per second. That's fast, right? Like that may be a little bit faster than how uh, high the deficit was going, you know, until recent times. But like, it's very, very fast. And you think about like how crazy big the universe is. Like when you think about how big earth is in comparison to the sun, like that's comparing like a donut hole. All right. To this, I mean, it's, it's gigantic. It's huge. And how God keeps our planet in motion so that we're not completely burned up and that we're not completely frozen solid. That our earth and the tides are such that yes, there are things such as tsunamis and tidal waves, but you don't have a cataclysmic washing of the earth, every mountain being covered every few days because the earth is off its rocker. God keeps everything together. God has revealed Himself in creation, to say, you know what? I'm here and I'm real. You, you think about how God is, has revealed Himself through Jesus. We looked at last week that Jesus is the image of God. Literally, when we look at Jesus, that's how we know God, who God is. You look at all the things like prophecy. Man, it's so crazy. Like, Remember um, in the Old Testament, there was prophesied that the Messiah would come and, and He would die and not one of His bones would be broken? Somebody tell me how they would finally finish them off. This is, this is Q&A, all right, Sunday morning. What would the Romans do? What was the final act that they would do to bring death to the guys who lasted a really long time on the cross? It had to do with a sport that is a parican pastime. They would break his legs. It's pretty grotesque, isn't it? They would come through, they would swing a hammer or a mace and break the legs so the person could not push back up and exhale and inhale oxygen. When they came to Jesus, he was already dead, but they said, make sure, and they stuck a spear into his side. Do you know how small the chances of that happening actually were? And then Jesus was like, it was prophesied hundreds of years before that the Messiah would be born in this little bitty hick town, and he was. Like, what are the chances? God has revealed Himself saying, guys, I'm giving you reasons to believe that I exist. You think about our bodies. You know, how our bodies are able to heal themselves. It's awesome. Like, how many of you have ever had a car that's had a transmission out at any time? Alright? And you put your car in the garage, and you're like, bro, are you going to fix your transmission or not? And you're like, no, it's, it's, it's fixing itself. It'll, you know, it'll happen. Mechanical genetic me- replication and, you know, things of that nature. Biological evolution will catch up. and You know, it'd be like, you know, what, what's the movie? Um, Transformers. Yeah, I think it may be a Transformer. People are like, bro, don't do drugs, right? I mean, that's what people do. Like, it doesn't happen like that. But in the biological world, like, it's so amazing. God is the designer. He's created us in a way that our bodies can actually heal themselves. And you think about the things that we have. I mean, like, all of the things that you can't find on earth 
that if you eat it, it will continue to give you life. God has created a world. And he's like, bro, I am real. I have exist. I have created. And I'm also giving you the literal food to keep you alive. But still, but still, people say, no. Think about the animal world. You ever thought about that? Cows. Cows do what God created them to do. Dogs. They're dogs. Birds are birds to the glory of God. Wouldn't that be cool to be a bird? Blind, you get to see all sorts of stuff. But out of all of the created order, do you know the only creation that has the audacity to raise its fist in the face of the Creator? And if you want to get more graphic, literally giving the middle finger by way of refusing to obey and say no. It's us. What does Scripture say the only part of creation to our sin entered into? It was us. The creation has been affected by sin. But that's why faith is so important. Because what faith does is it places our reliance upon the person and the nature and the love and the power of God. And when we do that, we actually align with our purpose and we're not always going to be tearing away at ourselves. Richard Dawkins said this, Faith being belief that isn't based on evidence is the principal vice of any religion. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this. If you want to write this down, um, this is a great reference to check out later. And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. You see, faith is not belief against the evidence. Faith is like, man, God has shown Himself to be real in history, in science, in every discipline that we study. So because God has shown Himself to be real... I can therefore trust Him in the future. I can trust Him. But you know what happens so often is is like we get... It reminds me of my brother Justin. Um, He's going to be 21 this summer. My mom reminded me of a story when he was just a little kid and she had made some chocolate chip cookies. All right, Some of you moms know where this is going. It made these cookies, and she said, don't eat any, all right? These are for, for guests later on. And he went and he stole cookies. He was a little mini thief, all right? Went in and he had... He had chocolate on his face. And she said, Justin, did you take any of the chocolate chip cookies? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Not at all. Now, are you being truthful with me? I want you to be truthful with me. Are you, did you take, did you steal cookies? He said, no, ma'am, I did not. I mean, chocolate all over the face. Here's what she does in an empirically scientific, verifiable manner. She takes him before the mirror. And when he looked in the mirror, she said his face was one of utmost horror and he began to cry, which I can't wait. I, I can't. Do, some of y'all have little brothers. I just when I see him, I always remember a little kid running around in a diaper, even today with his college friends. You know, I come in like, has he been changed today? And he just hates that. You know, it's like, oh, older brother, I'm, I'm old now. I've grown up. Give me a break. And he just began to cry. And she said, now, did you eat? Some of the cookies that I told you, yes, and he was broken by the fact. Here's the way a person comes to faith in Christ. 
is when we are put before the mirror of God's Word, and it's an uncomfortable thing. Some of you may be feeling this. You're like, man, I thought you're supposed to feel good if you go to church. Like, when I go, like, you talk about faith, like, I don't have faith in God. Talk about sin, I've done a lot of stuff just this, just last night, you know? Like, I'm, that's, that's good. That's good to feel the conviction of the Lord because when He brings us into confrontation with the mirror of God's Word, and mirrors don't what, church? They don't what? They don't lie. God's Word doesn't lie, and He shows us what we are to bring us to a place of brokenness and saying, Lord, I'm placing my faith from myself to you now. So that is the question um, between faith and reason. Let me give you very quickly before we move on to the rest of the sermon, someone who says... Now, Jeff, you say that you have faith, but I only believe in what I can see and what can be scientifically tested. Here, um, William Lane Craig provides five, very quickly, ways and things that we can't even verify by science, but it's still reasonable to believe in. Number one, logic and mathematical truths. Science presupposes logic and math. You cannot prove logic and math by science, can you? You would be arguing in a circle. Secondly, metaphysical truths, such as, prove to me scientifically that this world actually exists. It was, Jeff, we can put it in a test tube. Ah, 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 you could be in a vision. You could be in some type. You could, somebody could have put LSD into the system here this morning. We're all hallucinating. Can't prove that scientifically. Like there are other minds other than my own. You can't prove that scientifically. But is it rational? Is it reasonable to believe that we're actually here? Yes. Through many, many methods, it is logical and reasonable to believe that there are metaphysical truths that you can't prove with science. Number three, ethical statements or statements of value. For example, you can't get ethics from a test tube. Like you can't do a scientific experiment to where it says... Like what the Nazis did, Joseph Mendele. Remember all those cool things he did in Auschwitz? Do a scientific experiment, got the scientific formula, and it says Mendele's torture of prisoners is wrong. Can't get that from science. But is it wrong? Is there something such as wrong? Yes. Is there anything such as, well, number four, um, aesthetic statements, like something is beautiful. Is there a thing such as beauty? If you're married, men, this is a good time for you to look at your wife and wink. All right? Points. Score. Mark it. Okay? There is such a thing as beauty. But you can't ascertain what beauty is through scientific method. Number five, you can't prove science itself by science. William Lane Craig talks about the theory of relativity that is dependent upon the speed of light. And the speed of light, best we know, that's the way it operates, but it's still a theory. If that breaks down, science itself breaks down, and you have to develop another theory. Like, does gravity have the same speed as light? So for a person who says, you know what, Jeff, I don't, all I believe is in science, say, bro, you can't even prove science by science if science is the only thing you have within your realm of truth. There are things such as beauty in this world. There are things such as morality in this world. There are mathematical truths and logical truths. There are things such as goodness and evil. And those cannot be 
come to. Those cannot be discovered through the scientific method. Is science bad? No, science is very good. But people have to understand, especially the atheists and agnostics you deal with. And if you're here this morning, that's totally cool. Look me up. Let's talk about it. It is not something that you can support to say the only thing rational is to believe in science because science needs support from logic, math, and all sorts of other statements. That's why the Bible says in John chapter 3, go ahead and mark this. This is an awesome verse when you're talking to skeptics. And by the way, when we talk to skeptics, our love should shine out. Amen, church? shouldn't be like, I'm going to give you some smackdown apologetics. No. Loving humility. Here's what Jesus says. In John chapter 3, verse 20, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is right, what is true, comes to the light so that it may be seen clearly that his works have been carried out by God. You know what that means? It means that if you come to the table and you've got something in your life that Satan just has a hold of you, you're like, man, I've got a problem and I don't want to give it up. Here's what you're going to conclude. You're going to probably conclude that the Bible is not God's word. Because we're not purely rational creatures, are we? Made up of emotions, made of spirit, soul. You say, you know what, if I believe the Bible is true, then that means I'm going to be accountable to the God of the Bible. I don't want to be accountable to the God of the Bible. I don't live however that, and I'm not accustomed when I say this, I don't live however the heck I want to. So because of my wanting to live my own way, I'm going to try to find as many ways that I can to disprove God's existence, God's love, God's power, and His Word, because what I want to do is what I want to do. And that's coming to the table with presupposition. You see, now Jeff, is doubt the same thing as unbelief? No. If you're a doubter here this morning, we encourage you, continue to come, continue to study. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew? Oh, Matthew chapter, chapter 7, where He says, Ask, seek, and knock, and you'll find the door will be open to you. Keep seeking, and you will find. So secondly, very quickly, what is real faith? We know that faith and science, faith and reason are not opposed, but faith is a... Let's read this together from um, your outline. True faith is, mark this down, genuine. True faith is genuine. That means not hypocritical. That means not Sunday morning only. True faith is genuine devotion to Christ that involves total trust in Him as your Savior in death. But check this out. In your Lord in life in the good times and the bad times. Notice what the text says once again, to take up the shield of faith. This word means to take up with the intent to carry. It means doesn't, it doesn't talk about like just picking it up and putting it down. It means in every area of your life to apply your faith. Remember John chapter 14 verse 15 to where Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's how we can know if we have true faith or not, whether we actually obey Christ. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And my commands are not burdensome to you. See, some people come like, but, but Jeff, man, if I, if I believe, like if I start just, if I get saved and become a Christian, then God's going to be like, my life is going to turn from gee, cool to lame-o. Doesn't happen that way. The way it happens is that when we experience Jesus, we get life abundantly, Right? Remember the verse in Proverbs, was it 14, 12, where it says, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end thereof, it's the way of what? Of death. Of death. That means that when we come to Christ, He's not trying to lameize our life and make us have no fun, but actually, let us experience what true fun actually is. 
It's fun that doesn't have to end into the hangover. Amen, church? Man, praise God, He's delivering from people from that. The guy in my dad's church, man, God delivered him from, from alcoholism and also drug abuse. Like he's giving his testimony and stuff. He's like, like woo! Like he, he's, you know, borderline Bapticostal. And if you've actually, think about this, if you've actually been saved about, from something, then maybe we would read our Bibles, throwing it out there. Maybe I would have a passion to learn about Christ if He's actually saved me from myself and death and hell. The love of God is just so amazing. Um, I wrote down this quote from a commentary. It says that faith is complete confidence and reliance upon God to give the victory. All right. Remember that story about Gideon in the Old Testament? Right? you got all of these invaders, and here's Gideon. He's dug himself a hole, and he's down in the hole working with his produce, with his wheat. He's in a hole. Tracking with me? Angel shows up, sent by God, and says, Oh, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. That's like coming to the skinniest shrimp in the whole workout room and in front of the whole world like, How's that 85 pounds on the bench working there, Arnold Schwarzenegger? It's a smackdown. He's there like he's freaked out above these, these invading Midianites. And the angel's like, hey, mighty man of valor. He's like, who? Who are you talking to? You know, looking around, he's like, I'm talking to you, Gideon. And so, so then God's like, Gideon, I want you to lead an uprising to drive these invaders out. So here's what he does. Gideon's like, man, I don't know if I can have, put my faith in God. I don't know about that. I, you know, I know what I'll do. I'll get a sheepskin and I'll put this sheepskin out, you know, and I'm going to say, God, if you're really there, I want you to, uh, see, how can I test God? God, I want you to, I want you to make the dew get on the fleece. And then all the grass around be dry. Guess what God does? In His mercy and His grace, He does it. And then He's beginning, He's like, okay, all right, I think that was God. You think? Let me test one more time. So this time he, he puts the fleece out and He's like, God, I want you to make all the, let's see here, make the fleece dry, all the grass around it wet. And God, in His grace, in His mercy, does it. And God works through a person who had no faith. And it is God's mercy that He brings us to a place of repentance and faith. I praise God for His mercy. Don't you? You know what God could have done? Psych! I called you a mighty man of valor to help you stop being such a coward, but you're still not believing in me. Get out of here, Gideon. But God in His grace and His mercy goes to him time and time again and confirms it. And some of you are like, Jeff, I need a sign. Have you ever been to that point in your life? Like, God, I need a sign if you're really there. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, that the Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You can have all of the evidence on both sides. You can have mathematical, philosophical, theological, all of the evidence in the world. But what it comes down to is the voice of the Holy Spirit deep inside your soul saying, I am here and obey me. Number four, how does faith work? Notice in your, in your notes, faith extinguishes the lies and the temptations of Satan by a firm reliance upon the, here it is, upon the power and sufficiency of God. A 
upon the power and the sufficiency of God. I have a friend who was in the army and he was put in charge of a, um, <clears throat> there were some people from uh, South America who were trying to get into the country illegally. So they were, they were there in this camp and there's a bit like a, like a small riot that happened. And what some of the guys did who were, who were being interned there, they got the tent poles and they, they sharpened these tent poles on the cement. And my friend is in, in, in riot gear, but he said, I had this little bitty shield. He says, like, I don't know what happened, you know, between the Pentagon and, and us, but I had this, like, this tiny little bitty shield. And here we got charged, we as the U.S. guards, by these guys. And they're holding, like, in each hand, they're holding um, tent pole spears. And he said, there was a couple guys, and they threw two spears at me. One was heading for my head. <laughs> And one was heading uh, for my lower body. So he said, what I did, they were coming like at the same time, just quick reaction. He said, I blocked the one coming towards my head. Ping! And it bounced off the shield. But the second one buried itself in his foot. He said, because my shield was too small. I want you to think about it like this. Often we have Bibles in our home. Most people do, at least in the South. And we think sometimes because we have a Bible... We can hold the Bible up like an old horror movie and the vampires and such will go away. It doesn't work that way. When the evil day comes, it's not if it will come, it's when it comes. Do y'all hear that? When tragedy comes to your family, not if, it's coming, alright? When it comes, could it be that the size of our shield, maybe that's correspondent to how much truth that we know. Do you remember what Jesus did when Satan tempted Jesus? Did Jesus try to beat him in a philosophical argument? Jesus could, but Jesus didn't. What did he quote to Satan? He quoted the Bible. Now, was Jesus carrying around a humongous scroll of the Old Testament? Did he have his molly pack? Was he, was he like packing serious Bible heat? Out in the wilderness for 40 days? 40 days without food. That's enough to send the average American into hysterics. 40 days. And then the Bible said, this is funny. It says, and then he was hungry. He's there. Satan tempts him. Jesus responds with Scripture that he knew. One of the greatest things I think we can come away from the Warrior Series is on a regular basis, memorize the Word of God. See, Jeff, what do you mean? I'm talking when you read your Bible in the morning, just take this passage. Take a three-by-five card, hack it in half, write down one verse, reference at the top, reference at the bottom, carry it with you, pop it out at stoplights when you otherwise would be getting mad, pop it out when you're you know, on break at work. Remember, let the Word of God soak inside you because if you're ever jumped on the street by somebody trying to do you harm, I don't know how good it would be if you carry your karate by Male step-by-step guide on how to avoid a beatdown. Example, go with me here. Y'all alright? You're walking down the street in Roanoke. A bad guy comes. He's going to jump you. Say, hold on, Mr. Bad Guy. Let me pull out Karate 101. Let's see here. It says to block opponent. Alright? You're going to get tore up. To defend yourself when it hits the fan... You have to have already been trained, right? Have to already be here, has to be here. And when the evil day hits, you can start today. Just take a verse a week and let it soak within you so that when Satan's lies and his temptations hit you like a ton of bricks, you can respond with whipping out your sword and whipping out your shield. And it won't be something that you read from over here in your Bible, but it becomes a part of you. 
That's the shield of faith. And that's what it means. Um, one way to say, Jeff, how do I know if I have faith? Um, what, what do you go to when things go bad? Do you go to pills? Sometimes that happens very often, doesn't it? People say, I can't handle it. So they go to pills. Some people will go to um, alcohol. Some people go to drugs, legal or illegal, to help them deal with it. Uh, some people go to comfort food um, to gain satisfaction, to gain love from the food. Some people will go to foolish friends. Yes, men in your life. doesn't matter if you're wrong. They'll just say, yes, 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 yes. Surround you, make you feel good, but they're not really helping you. Write this verse down. It's Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, and here's what it says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but many are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but many are the kisses of an enemy. Here's translation. People who truly love you in life are going to be the people who are willing to tell you those brutal truths when you need to get right. But people who don't care about you, they're just going to flower and shower you with all sorts of vain platitudes. They're going to say, oh, you're right. That person's wrong when you may be wrong. It could be that God's leading you a place of new repentance and growth, but they're just simply not wanting you to get mad at them because they don't really give a rip about you. So, see, Jeff, man, what am I supposed to do? Like, what if I lose faith in everybody? It's a text from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 7. It says, The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it, and surely the people are grass, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. The Bible says that people are grass. Imagine, hurricane tsunami is coming to hit. We are along the coast. How much sense would it make for us to be like, no, weed, weed smokers is not speaking of that grass, it's speaking of the grass that just simply grows in your yard if you're not trying to manufacture marijuana, all right? So we're talking about, like, how much sense would it make for us if the storm, like big storm, all right, mucho grande stormo, it's coming, it's going to hit, and we're like, all right, you know, I'm going to get some grass. I'm going to get some grass. I'm going to put it, put it down. I'm going to make a grass mat. And I'm going to go find some really tall grass. I'm going to cut it up. And, and I'm, I'm going I'm to give me a little lean-to. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover myself with grass. I'm going to have grass underneath. I'm going to have grass around me. I'm going to even put some grass over my head. Bro, I'm going I'm to put grass in my hair. I'm going to have grass all over the place. What, what? And people will say, you probably do smoke grass. Some of y'all still didn't get that. That may be a good thing. But that's what it's like if we simply surround our people, ourselves, with yes men and yes women who are not willing to tell us the brutal truths that we need to hear. When the storm hits... I want to be, I want to find a mountain so big and so tall that if it got hit by a hundred foot tsunami, the mountain would not move. I want something that goes deep. And I want to find a place in that mountain, a little cleft, a little little crevice that I can hole up in when the rains and when the storms come. So however big and however bad, I want to be so drilled so deep into the love and the nature and the power and the sufficiency of God and His Word that no matter how big the storm is, when it hits, I am stationed, I am grounded upon the rock, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Jeff, are you saying that I shouldn't have friends? 
Mark this text down. Psalm chapter 1. Only has a few verses. It says, Blessed are those... Blessed is he who stands not in the way of sinners or stands in the, walks in the way of mockers or sits in the seat of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That means a person loves the Bible. Here's what it says those friends are. He'll be like a tree that is planted by rivers of water. That's what God needs to bring in your life. Seek out those people who are like trees. Like, you know what, man? I want to find somebody who's willing to tell me the truth. Y'all Okay. Do you know what I need? I may not want this. You know what I need? I need my accountability friends. I need my brother. I need my friends here. I need you. If there's something in my life, this is not just an open season for those of you who have the gift of criticism, but either way, if it makes you feel better, go ahead and vent. But whoever it is, just to give them the point, say, look, speak truth into my life and let us find those people. Let us become those people through God's power. Amen? Through the faith in God to where we can be a tree, not like grass. You know, it says at the end of Psalm 1, it says the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff. You know what the chaff is? A little hole that surrounds the wheat. The chaff which the wind drives away. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it has the extra phrase, drives it away from the face of the earth. We're either going to be grass or we're going to be rooted in who God is. And finally, last question. How do I get faith? From your outline, here's what it says. And there are no blanks here because we can't miss this. Faith is a gift from God. This goes all the way back to... I'm. In Acts, multiple references. Repent and pride from pride and respond in humility to God's call to be born again, baptized, and to become a dedicated follower of Christ in all areas of your life. If you're here today, you need to get saved. We're going to give you a chance to make that public here in just a few moments. And like, man, Jeff, I need to be saved. Cry out to God right now. Just say, Jesus, would you save me? He'll save you. If you need to be baptized, we'd love to baptize you. You say, Jeff, why are you guys baptized? Well, Jesus said to do it. And the reason why Jesus said to do it is because like, that's the gospel. The life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And also, when we get saved, it's like, it's like what happens up there in the water. Like That's kind of a picture of us. Like one day we were living for ourselves. And one day Jesus, through His grace and mercy, saved us. And we died through our old way of living. And then we He raised us up to be a brand new person. Psalm chapter 138 verse 3 says, On the day I called, you answered me and made me bold with your strength. How do I get faith? It's simply repentance and receiving what Christ has done. A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Europe. And on the way through, uh, my friend said, uh, Would you like to go to the American military cemetery in Luxembourg? I said, Sure. Um, this is where Patton was buried. Many heroes from World War II. And when we walked out, <clears throat> my brother had a very nice video camera, was trying to capture video. No matter how wide your zoom was, maybe if you had a fisheye type of lens on your camera, could you get maybe um, over 50% of those white crosses in, in your view? And I stood there and I looked at it, it just fanned out. I don't remember how many graves were there, but just white cross after white cross after white cross after white cross of soldier after soldier after soldier that had fallen. 
There's one, it said, a fallen comrade in arms known only to God. I'm going to think about that. And uh, <clears throat> I feel very, very, very strongly about freedom, political freedom and spiritual freedom. And when I looked at it, I, I just tried to imagine, you know, what, <clears throat> what it would be like. <clears throat> I really get like this. What it would be like to be 18, 19, 20 years old. A lot of them never been off the farm. They leave. They go into the teeth of MG42s and Panzers, trained German military, been fighting for years. And they fell. I've never uh, been in the military, but I tried to as best I could just to, you know, get over there. I, the, the, the group was off to the side, and I just. As best I could, I snapped attention and tried to give the the most proper salute that I could to those men. And began to think about that. And their sacrifice was a shield that shielded the world from political tyranny. And I pray that God raises us up the grace of His power to be a shield for those people in our families who don't know Christ. Amen? And there was a, a picture of a, it was a bronze bust of, of a man and he had a, his left foot on the neck of a dragon and a spear in both hands and he was putting the spear through its head and it, and it said, Fortitude. And there was this quote, On the mausoleum, it said, Grant us grace fearlessly to contend with evil and to make no peace with oppression. And today, Satan is oppressing many people. And I encourage you by the grace of Christ to stand firm. Some of us, our shield has been lowered. I pray today that we would raise it up through the power of God. Men, you need to get saved. Trust Christ today and make it public for the grace of God in your families. There are people all around the world and in Franklin County, people that we know who are lost and blinded. And let us be, as we read for the founder of this church last week in 1879, he was willing to spend, pour out his life and to be spent. The question is, are we? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. <clears throat> this is a time of uh, invitation, which is a time of com- commitment. If you're here and you need to be saved, just right now, right now, where you're sitting right now, just say, Jesus, please save me. Place your trust, place your faith, your reliance upon Him. Say, Jesus, please save me. Save my soul, Jesus. The Lord has done that and you've committed to Him right now. When we begin to sing, I'm just going to ask you to simply just get up and um, come forward and you know, I'll take you by the hand. And by doing that, you're saying, you know what, I'm ready to live for Christ. Today is my day. I'm ready. No more playing games. I'm ready. This is it. I'm ready to follow Christ. 
And we say this every week. We don't want it to be a vain repetition. But if you're here, you want to be baptized, you come. Just say, I, I need to be baptized. If you're here and you know, I mean, you've been saved and baptized, but you want to, you're, you're ready to join. You're like, man, I, I want to team up with you guys. This is where God has brought me, brought my family. I'm ready to join. I'm ready to get plugged in. You come. Father, we ask that you would take this time and you would use it to your glory. Would you help people, um, those that you're drawing, to make commitments to do so? Thank you for your patience with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You're standing uh, all over as, as we sing.